0: by Steve with Sense Fidelity coming at you once again with Father Ripker of the book Dominion finally came back out but wait there's a new there's a different edition out there for you mainly for the clerics but to start out with father go ahead welcome first off welcome how you doing good to see you again and tell us about the books you got on the uh, uh the press
1: Uh, Thanks, Steve. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. Um, It's always uh, Holy Week is always quite a bit of a load, but um, there it is. So, um, by way of precursor, just to remind people, we do have the faux version of the full leather version of the Deliverance Prayers for the Laity. It's it's available on our website only, uh, which is sendtradpress.org. Uh, Dominion is out for all those people. This is the this is the version of the book which we'll be talking about for the bulk of this. Um, this is the version for the lay people, so it's out um, and it's selling pretty good. It's uh, getting pretty good reviews so far, fortunately. And then uh, here is the hardback version of this. The difference between the hardback and the uh, soft cover was um, it's a the printer. <laughs> uh, yeah, well it's more expensive obviously because it, it's it's about ten dollars more for us to print the thing than it is uh, a softback but it's um, but the uh, the, the difference is too is we had to do a different layout a different formatting of it all that's contained in the hardback is contained in the softback and vice versa it's just that we had to reformat it because a lot of the printers are restricting how thick of a book that you can put out. And that's largely due to the fact that they do print on demand, which is done by a machine, which I've always thought, you know, it'd be fantastic to have one of those machines. You literally put materials in one end, press a button on a computer and books come out the other end, but they restrict it because of the nature of the machines. They can only print stuff that's so thick. And so um, that's why they, when it comes to the hardback, which is done by a different kind of machine, they actually have to have uh, the papers can't be as it can't be as a thick of book, basically. So but those are still out uh, and they're available. Um, we had a prior video, which we talked about that. And so people, if they want to know what's in there, they can go ahead and take a look at that.
0: Yes, this isn't the same video up already. This is just adding on to what the new book is, because you thought yeah. this was thick. The new one will make yes. it is a workout carrying it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. And this is, (laughs) this is the other thing about this video is, is that this will probably be one of the last interview videos we do for a while, because um, I do have a book coming out um, in about two months, just called the charismatic graces. It was a chapter that I removed from the priest version of this book. Um, It's in the priest version, but it's not in the lay version, but it's put out with the lay version, but the advantage to the to, the, um, to this new book coming out is I also had Ryan Grant translate um, a guy by the name of Hagen. He did this thing on charismatic graces that was considered the definitive work on charismatic graces up until the 1960s. And so when you read it, you can tell because it's extraordinarily thorough. He goes into all the different nuances of it. If you really pay close attention to what he says about it, it's um, you get all sorts of information about the nature and structure of it and the history and the understanding of how these graces actually worked along the line of the tradition, not in the sense of the modern sense. And so what we did is I had um, Ryan translated into English. We also included the Latin for scholars who want to do it. And then there's the chapter. From the priest book that actually on charismatic graces that is in the priest book that's not in the lay book is there too so that will be coming out in about two months but i don't think we need to do a video just for that one
0: <laughs> right exactly we'll wait for that juicy one later
1: uh, yeah so- exactly yeah that one's going to get a few hackles up it's not because i'm attacking the charismatic uh, um, uh, movement or anything like that um, it's rather. It's just. A, I want to set the record straight about the theology of these things, and then from there we can talk about the practice. But it's just a matter of getting the theology straightened out.
0: Right. Right. Information.
1: So, yeah. Exactly.
0: So, Father, why have two different versions of this book, and what's the big difference between them?
1: Okay. So this this is the priest's version. It's a hardback. It's in hardback only. It's 280 pages longer, and there is a very specific reason for it. And the reason is this. There are certain things contained in the priest book that the lay people um, don't necessarily need to know. Like, for example, one of the chapters in here is the qualities of an exorcist, right? Well, lay people don't necessarily need to know the qualities of an exorcist. And in here, I went into quite in length, and we can talk a little bit about those chapters that go along, but... Um, and there's also other things in here, but the primary reason for two different books is because we actually dealt with diagnostics in the priest version. That is what priests have to look for in order to diagnose very specifically what the nature of the diabolic influence of the person may be suffering, how to distinguish those things from things that are truly psychological um, and the principles that you can use in order to get that because the, um, a lot of times, what happens is, is that as an exorcist, when you're first starting to do exorcisms, you might go get some training, and you might get some academic stuff. Which there's the Leo the Thirteenth Institute, which is out there, and we also do a, a, a abbreviated version of that formation that's done at the Leo the Thirteenth Institute in our own society. It's a one week academic process by which we give the uh, actresses the basics that they need to know, but it's not as thorough as we would like to be. It's just not possible. Even in the two-year program that they have at the Leo, there's still all sorts of stuff that guys don't know. And then, of course, you go and you might sit in on sessions and there's still stuff you don't know. Whereas this was designed, um, this book by the priests was actually designed, for the priest, was designed for two things. One is to give them a thorough academic foundation to diabolic influence, the nature of it. And then the second component was that interaction between the psychology, human psychology, diabolic psychology, and how you can diagnose within the context of that, and give a full set of diagnostics so that a guy can read this, he'll have everything he pretty much needs to know academically. Um, And then from there, he would uh, then obviously want to go and sit in sessions and get further training on some, uh, some practical matters, although there's a lot of practical information in this particular book. There was also the reason for writing this, which I think I am going to mentioned in the last interview, was that we, um, you know, it says it right in the rituals, it said that the priest should um, study the approved authors in relationship to um, diabolic influence, right? Well, the problem is, is that the majority of that writings, there is some stuff in the Fathers and St. Thomas has some stuff, which is quite a bit of St. Thomas in here, which I always found so fascinating how well St. Thomas actually understood diabolic psychology. It makes me really wonder Um, If he wasn't an exorcist himself, I mean, there were some indications that he did do some exorcisms, but if he wasn't somewhat of an exorcist himself because of the fact that their their psychology that he lays out, and especially in his um, section on um, Peter Lombard's senses lay is so clearly laid out and you see it in session that this is exactly how the demons function psychologically but so there's a bit there but then a majority of the writings were actually written from about 1600 to about 1930 and so that's when a majority of the writings were being written. And so you have, but they're all, they're smatterings. It's all sorts of guys all over the place. And there was no comprehensive manual that you could just hand to somebody and say, here, this is what you need to know. So the, you had to do an enormous amount of reading if you really wanted to know that this stuff in depth and to a great degree on an academic level. And so the idea was, I'm just going to write a manual that you can hand to a priest and say, here, this is what you need to know academically. And then from there, they can do further reading, which they should read those other works as well. But, um, but this would at least provide them the foundation for it. And so the long story short, sorry to be so long-winded. But the reason that um, this book is longer is because we took out the diagnostic stuff because of what we call, I think we might have talked about this the last time, we call it the CSI effect. So it's basically this. What we've discovered is is that people will read books by like amorph or by boggoglio uh, or and the like and various other authors they'll read this stuff they'll see it and then they come in and they mimic what they've read in order to try and convince the exorcist that they need an exorcism because they want their problem to be diabolic um, and i always tell people look The main thing that the exorcist is there is to get to the truth of the matter. We want to find out if it's diabolic, if it's not. If it is diabolic, how much of it is also natural? Uh, Because there's very often an interplay between people's natural problems and the diabolic. And the goal is to get to the truth. And I tell them, I said, look, I don't think you understand. Because people have this idea that if they're possessed, then all they got to do is just wave your wand. And then, boom, they're liberated. And then their life is hunky-dory and they don't have to do any work. And I tell them, no, you don't understand. The climb out from being possessed to being liberated, generally speaking, is far more horrific than the process of just sitting down with a therapist and working your problems out psychologically. So, um, but anyway, uh, so that's why it's much longer, generally.
0: We'll talk about the Punic Wars later. Uh- <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's kind of joke. an
1: inside joke between uh, a number of friends because one time I asked Brian Grant, and we were with some friends, and I said, hey, could you just tell us a little bit about the Punic Wars? Well, he spent an hour and a half on the first Punic <laughs> War, and I just said, okay, that's enough, you know. But, uh, but anyway, so, so I wish I had his uh, memory for uh, for those guys. I got a memory for something, other things, like conceptual things, but not necessarily uh, history.
0: Right, so, right, no. <laughs> We'd love to give him a smack was just a little bit. It's all in love. It's all in love.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So it sounds like there's a... Like- You probably have experienced many people, priests contacting you about this, figured out there's a lacking of knowledge in that area or formation. And this is what basically you're this is a a solution to that problem.
1: It is. Yeah. And it was also to solve another problem, which is because most um, exorcists are not and priests generally are not versed in the tradition. They don't know Latin, so they can't read most of the authors, but from 1600 to 1930, virtually all of those were written in either Latin and then there was a few works here and there written in Italian, just a few, not too many, but a vast majority of those were written in Latin. And as a result of that, most priests who don't have a knowledge of Latin, um, even when they're becoming exorcists, which is a bit of a problem, but they don't know it, and so as a result, they don't even have access to these materials. And so what what's happened is, in the in the lack or in the lacuna of an actual uh, academic foundation that these guys should have, what's happened is, is that they're working out of this in this vacuum, and you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so what takes the place of that vacuum? It was actually Pentecostal theology, Protestant theology, or things that were influencing, um, and you'll see a lot of the exorcists were heading in the way of the charismatic graces because it was a way to solve certain problems, and um, which, and in the end it actually ended up creating more, and which is one of the things I talk about in this book for the priests is there's very specific things you have to be very careful of because there's can be a tendency of priests to want to have an easy quick or to find a quick way to solve the, the case. And that, that has to that all has to be de-escalated and they have to understand that the length of the case is completely determined by God. And so hurrying it up is only going to cause more problems. But that being said, um, this was to fill the lacuna theologically for these guys that didn't have this background. One time when I did, and to, to give you an idea of it, when I did the a the class, they asked me to do a class on angelology for the Leo 13th. And when I got done with the with the class, literally at the end of it all the priests it was the, it was 56 or 60 some guys priests it was like the deer in the headlights looks the only priests that didn't give me the deer in the headlights look that were practically almost asleep because they had already gotten this before were the guys that were the norbertine fathers who had already studied this because the norbertines are thomas and so they generally just it it, it that didn't phase them, but the rest of the priests were deer in the headlights. And one of the priests said, we never heard any of this going through theology. And I said, yeah, I know that's one of the problems. And so the the idea is to give them the background theologically so that when they go into the sessions and they see the demons behaving or talking a certain way, they don't get deceived because the demons will use that ignorance against them and get them sucked into going down rabbit holes theologically, which are uh, a big problem. So that's why it's, Pretty long. It's obviously an academic treatise. It's it's not something you're going to read in a weekend, you know, type of thing.
0: Yeah, get on the end of the couch. Hey, what are you going to do? I'm just going to check out chapter 34 today.
1: Yeah, and I suppose most people would say none of Father Ripperger's books are are uh, you know a weekend read, but uh, (laughs) but there's a few of them. But anyway,
0: so would this help uh, priests in the confessional?
1: Yeah, it would because of the fact that um, in there I talk about patterns, psychological patterns that they'll very often see, even in the confessional or even outside of session. Um, that you'll and those seeing those psychological patterns um, because demons have a very distinctive psychology as opposed to human psychology and there's also you can see what those patterns are when there's an intersection between those two and so you'll be able to quickly see those particular things that's why this book is not just for exorcists we sell it to any priest um, it is uh, you do in order to order it you do have to get a code from us which we can talk about towards the end um, to in order to order it off our website. But it's, it, any priest can read the book. It would be extraordinarily helpful, even if he's not going to be an exorcist. It also um, would be helpful for him just to have the theolo- theological background, because there's a lot of theology in the book. Um the other component to it is, is that it's uh, we do sell it to healthcare professionals that are either working with exorcists or certain lay people that are working with exorcists. But we do not send it to the lay people; they have to have the priest that they're working with order it for them. Um, lay people are permitted to order it for a priest, but we will not send it to the lay people. It has to be sent to the priest. So when they order it we make sure that the shipping address is a legitimate priest residence before we send it. So uh, we hate to be so draconian, but we're just um, very careful. A lot of the exorcists are starting to complain about what that, as I mentioned, the CSI effect. So we're trying to avoid that. And this... This would create quite a CSI effect because there's all sorts of stuff I talk about how you can quickly discern whether something's diabolic or not, especially in the relationship to possession. And so, if people had that knowledge, it would get a little, a lot more hard, a lot more difficult, although there are even ways, even then, um, to discern um, whether people are possessed or not.
0: Now, it's good that you brought that up because I have many people ask me, Can I buy this for a priest? And I have told, just send them to your address. So they, they can buy no. it. They just have to have the shipping address to the rectory or the priest that's That's right. Is,
1: uh, that's right. Yeah. There. And we actually uh, we also um, uh, they can just they can just email us at info at sensestraditionis dot org. Um, hopefully, uh, Steve will put a link in the in the bottom there for that. And they can just email us there, and then. Um, We can give them the code, and then when they order it, we have somebody that is checking on this case on these particular books. Um, we don't for all the other stuff but for these books we're checking every single order to verify that it was actually going to a a, uh to a priest we never thought that the that this book would sell you know hundreds of thousands of copies we never thought that it was very it's a very specific niche market um whereas the book dominion which is the lay version any layman can order it um, and it contains uh, you know the majority of what's in here just the, the diagnostic stuff and then a few of the chapters for the, the priests that are specific for priests are in this uh, in the priest version.
0: You, what is manual and mannerisms is that in this one as well for priests so maybe like in spiritual direction they may be able to see something I mean not to end up making them look uh, as you say uh, quite often checking to find underneath the devil underneath every every rock but right. Maybe something like, hey, you haven't noticed this before, check, you know, keep an eye out on this for XYZ. Is something like that in there?
1: Yeah, it is. It's there's a for example, in the in the chapter on um, obsession, we talk about the very specific um, psychological patterns or mannerisms or behavior that you'll see when someone is diabolically obsessed, as opposed to it just being merely um, psychological obsession, certain patterns that they would see in the confessional specifically. Um, there's also other aspects in which you can kind of, when you get it, when you really understand the difference between diabolic and human psychology to the uninitiate, when you look at it, you're just like, this person's just crazy, you know, but there's very distinctive patterns and that's why we get it. And so this would be very helpful, even for spiritual direction, you know, for priests who want to do spiritual direction, this will help to sort out a lot of stuff as to whether it's just human or diabolic, um, even on a spiritual theology level, because human beings um, function in a very specific way, given fallen human nature, the innate human nature itself, it is very different than what you'll see when it's diabolic. Uh, although, to the person who has never studied it formally, it will look the same. But they're—they're they're actually once you understand the differences, they're very easy and quick to pick out the differences.
0: Have you had any priests that already have it and come up to you say, "Father, thank you for doing this. I didn't know about." xyz uh has that ever has that happened yet i know it just came out
1: uh yeah it's literally literally we received the books like two and a half weeks ago and then it takes a while to kind of get it up and then the ones just started coming out we haven't heard from any of the priests although the priest who did review it for the imprimatur has been basically been telling priests like if you're looking for the book this is it so um that's about all that we've actually heard um it's such a new book that we it's gonna i think it's going to take a little while Do, it's going to take a while for priests to get through it um, it Part of the reason this book is so long, too, is because there's so many different theories about the various practices that are exorcists that are engaging in right now, and we wanted to address all of the theological aspects of those. So that's why, you know, for example, so like in here, we talk. I think I talk about this even in the lay book, but it's even more extensive in the priest book. You know, when you're looking at something and you're trying to figure out, You know, whether this, uh, you know, whether they're, for example, the the various theories on whether a damned human soul can possess somebody or not, which we call disembodied spirits, can they possess or not? I go into the different theories, et cetera. I go into um, also when it comes to... certain practices of exorcists there's different practices and so i'll go into each of the different practices and talk about which ones are you want to avoid at all costs other ones which are well these are okay under certain circumstances but this would be the best practice so there's that's why it's so long it's because i'm dealing with as much as i possibly could and still keep it within a reasonable length of 828 pages yeah
0: trying to cover all the bases but keep it under uh, war and peace
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, James Joyce's Ulysses. Well, when I took, t- t- when I was in college, everybody had to read that book, and I'm like, nobody read the full book. Nobody. <laughs> so you you basically found out what the professor was going to talk about from last year's class, and that's what you went and read. But anyway.
0: Yeah, Charlie Brown read the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what would you? This is strengthening the base. So you got the one book for the lady, and the what? lady. This one is strengthening the priests, basically our generals in the faith, to strengthen the lay to even more. So this is almost, I'm going to say must-have, but this would be a great weapon for someone's arsenal to go into spiritual warfare, right?
1: Yeah, it really would. I mean, I would obviously suggest that um, priests, if they want to maximize, I mean, you don't have to read my book on psychology before you read this book. But if you want to maximize your understanding, because I actually get into this book, I get into specifics about how demons manipulate very specific faculties to get specific effects and outcomes in those faculties and the patterns of our thinking. And so if you understand those faculties from a Thomistic sense, which is in my book on psychology, you'll understand this book a lot better. That means putting off reading this book for a while, but but you could still read this book without reading that. Um, But it's, uh, but that's one of the reasons why it's, it, it really is designed to give the priest a really solid foundation theologically in, and philosophically in this area.
0: So again, the shown underneath in the show notes. We have the link to Dominion for the Lady. It will also have the yeah. address, the, the right father for the uh, for the Brookford priest. And again, if you want right. to send it to a seminary, send it to your local parish, send it to right. your friend, your priest. You know, if you got a sibling that's a priest. Etc. So get the book out as well. Uh, I guess uh, Father will contact you, or somebody in his team will contact about which how you know. payment is.
1: Yes, yeah, and so just one thing, real quick, the nature, just so that people know what the difference is. the The late version is called Dominion, and I just did it because it was an easy title. Um, it was a, a pithy, easy title that people could easily remember. But the one for the clergy, because it's a more academic book, is called "The Nature and Psychology of Diabolic Influence." It is not called "Dominion." So um, that's what. And you can't eat. You can, uh, there's not even a um, a link that you can go onto my website and look at the information about the book. You can't even look at the link without contacting us because the link is private even to view the book about what's in contained in the book and the various information. And then if you're going to order it, you have to put in a code that we'd give you. So um, one thing I thought I would do though, is just mention a few things that are in here. that are not in the lay book other than the, just the diagnostic stuff, which is pretty extensive. Um, the, uh, there are four chapters that are in this book that are not in the other uh, in the lay version. Um, uh, the first is uh, a chapter on disassociative identity disorder. This is basically what used to be called multiple personality disorder. And it's a phenomenon which we're seeing more and more consistently because of a phenomenon called satanic ritual abuse, which is a chapter in there on that as well, which is only in the clergy version. But the multiple personality disorder is a very specific psychological phenomenon. It's a true psychological thing, but there's certain um, spiritual components to it and how to discern it. And um, when you see the first time an exorcist, I've, I've been to a couple of places where they've asked me to take a look at somebody because they're, they've are they been doing exorcisms and they're not getting anywhere with the particular case. And then they'll say, "What, what what's wrong? Why aren't we getting anywhere? And then Um, I'll go in, I'll take a look at the, while they're doing the session, and then I'll come back out and I'll say, this person isn't possessed. This is the case of disassociative disorder because it's very distinctive psychological structure that looks like possession under certain circumstances. And so um, you have to, but there's very specific ways to easily diagnose the differences between the two. And so I have a chapter on that, and that's specifically for the clergy. Um, And then satanic ritual abuse, which we're seeing a much more increase in the 1980s, there was a drastic increase in, in this diabolic activity among Satanists, in, especially in the United States, although I suspect it was probably worldwide. But um, statistically, we know primarily that which we've seen in the United States. There was a drastic increase in that in the 80s, and so now those cases are kind of coming to us now. Um, and then so there, because part of that was just because of an increase there had always been. Disassociative um, disorder and satanic ritual abuse, um, especially once they discovered the mechanism, which is something I discussed in here, this book just briefly, that they the satanists had discovered that mechanism in people that they traumatized, and so by the time you get to the early 1900s, they've become very proficient in inducing disassociative disorder in people. So there's that part, um, and then as I mentioned, there's a book on or the chapter on charismatic graces. I put that in there primarily so that the priest could understand when there's authentic charismatic graces, what the diabolic inversions are, because you'll actually see people who are possessed, who actually have an authentic charismatic grace. It's very rare, but you'll see that once in a while. And how to distinguish that from the fact that People who are possessed very often can have levels of discernment of spirits because the demons are feeding them the information or reacting internally when they're around certain people, et cetera. And so, you know, how to discern the the differences between those two, et cetera. Um, And so I went into all of those. I also went into most of the the major, like 13 of the major um, charismatic races. There's basically an infinite number, technically speaking, according to the authors. But I went into the major ones um i also then did um, a chapter on major and minor exorcisms one of the things that one of the most common questions i get from priests is am i permitted to do this or what about this can i do chapter three of title 12 out of the ritual romanum which is the exorcism of saint louis 13th can i do it here and so there's uh i lay out what the current law of the church is if the church changes its law i'll have to change the book but if uh, the current law of the church is who can use it under what circumstances also, what constitutes a minor exorcism as opposed to a major exorcism. Fortunately, um, I had worked out all of that together. And then just about that time, I read the, uh, a big book called uh, Linnea Guida, by, um, which is the guidelines for exorcists. It was put out by the International Association of Exorcists, which is a solid book. It's only in Italian right now. It's being translated into English. But in their They came to the same conclusions that I had had, and plus they gave a few more principles in discerning, um, which were very helpful, about what um, constitutes a minor exorcism and what doesn't. And it's good to have a source rather than just myself working this out with the way the Vatican talks, but actually have a source that says this is when an exorcism is minor and this is when it's major. And this is an important distinction because in order to do major exorcisms, you have to have faculties express faculties from the local bishop in order to do those. Whereas minor exorcisms, any priest can do, even the parish priests can do them for their faithful. As St. Alphonsus Leverie says, even the parish priest should be doing minor exorcisms over those people that you know might have like diabolic influences like obsession or op- oppression and the like. And then I go into the qualities of the exorcist. In most of the books, uh, even in the most recent um, rite of exorcism, which is the Vatican put out in 1999 and then revised it, um, The uh, and which I understand they're going to revise it yet again because they found out that virtually no exorcists were using it because it was essentially ineffective, but um, but they uh, they they the qualities are pretty brief. It's usually just he should be of advanced age, have a certain amount of piety and prudence. And that's what they usually just say in picking someone. Whereas I go into the moral, spiritual, intellectual and physical qualities that an exorcist actually has to have if he's gonna be really effective in this area. So it's much more extensive. And it's based on um, not just my experience, but then um, what you read in the literature and things of that sort. I go into lay assistance because you have to have a lay assistance when you're doing this work. Um, There has to be other people that are present, what the qualities of those are, um, what you want to look for, what you want to avoid in that. Um, one of the things I get into here is also with exorcists is avoid people who claim to have discernment of spirits, charisms, because they tend to uh, not have them. In fact, I tell guys, I tell Price, look, at, I've been around a numerous people who say, I've got the gift of discernment of spirits. You could flip a coin and get a better outcome about what's going on than you get from these people. Um, and then the last chapter I have in there is on protocol. And that's, What you want to do as an exorcist to lead up um, to before you actually pray with somebody. So historically, there was basically the three phase protocol, which is listen to the people. If it sounds credible, you pray, which was the diagnostic side of it. And then if they were possessed, then you move to solemn exorcism. So that's the three stage kind of protocol, whereas we work off of a four stage protocol, which is more of. The first thing you do is you put people on a prayer prescription because we find out that clears out about 80 to 90 percent of diabolic obsession and oppression. And if they follow it closely, there's even people that have been liberated from low levels of possession going through this protocol. And so we talk about that first phase of prayer prescription. Second phase is removing obstacles to grace because what we discovered, I think we might have talked a little bit about this in another time, but we found out that people... What was happening is is that people were had these impediments to grace, and so you you would get them into session, and then you know three months later they're like, oh, by the way, I didn't, I, you know, I used to be a Satanist. Well, you know, that would have really been helpful to know that three months ago, right? Because because there's all sorts of stuff now. You've got to go through renunciations and all this other stuff, and you got to dig into this. And then the third phase is stuff that the local priests can kind of clear out. So what we found is that. 95% of the people get their stuff straightened out before they even see us. So the, I go into the protocol, why they need to have a have a protocol of a sort um, in there. And um, what traditionally they did as a protocol and why we developed a little bit more of expensive of a protocol. So, and that's pretty much uh, the gist of it. The, between the diagnostic and those chapters, that's why there's 280 pages extra in the priest version.
0: Just in case any priest hearing is going, man, this is overwhelming. I don't know if I could pull this off. It's kind. Of, I'm assuming he kind of like stupefied it down to the sense. Uh, call me. I mean, you might not have said this, but all right, if you get to here, go do an exorcist. If you get to here, call me or whatever. Like this is it? Kind of simplified yes. to that level.
1: It is in the sense of I talk about um, methods of proceeding whenever you discover various kinds of diabolic influence. So if you find oppression, well, then this is what you do. If you find obsession, this is what you do. If you find possession, well, then you want to remanded to the diocesan exorcist or to the to the chancery what have you so there are i do go into the, um, the various things that you want to do and then also what priests can and cannot do it doesn't mean that every priest is going to say oh well you know if i saw someone has a high level of obsession i'm going to pray with him he may want to get them to somebody who does deliverance work on a somewhat regular basis you know he might want to remand them to that because not Although I do think that most parish priests should be helping out their lay people, but that's pretty much low-level stuff. If you get to the higher-level stuff, they may want to remand it. But I tell them, this is where the cutoff is. This is where you want to do it. So it's it's very practical in that regard. And it's very thorough. So if the priests take the time and digest the materials, and because they're not going to be able to plow through this thing, if they just take the time and digest the materials, they'll get a pretty good understanding and be able to size themselves up and say, well, I'll deal with this stuff, but I'm not going to deal with that. So...
0: You're just trying to figure out any obstacles that a priest might have to it, uh, in the sense of too much info or time-wise. I mean, I know most of them have maybe one or two parishes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's a real. That's really true. I do talk about the time element in here, especially in relationship to possession cases. But it's generally true. But that's actually one of the reasons why our protocol it um, it does two things. One is it um, it doesn't create a big burden for the for the parish priest because he only has to see people like ten minutes a week, um, you know, for a few weeks, and then that'll give him a sense of what's actually going on and where to proceed. And usually, before they even get to that stage, if they put a protocol in place or have somebody in their area that can follow our particular protocol, um, which they can actually get at liberchristo.org, they can get it there, and then that they they if they follow that protocol. Then a lot of times parish priests can just offload this stuff and they don't have to do a whole lot because time is a real element. Um, I think the other side of it is, too, is it's just, uh, you know, priests like I don't even know what's kind of going on. And that's part of the part about this. The other thing that we really get a lot among the priests is a bit of fear factor of, well, I've heard that if you start getting involved in this, that your life changes and that, you know, you're under attack a lot and this and that. And. Two, there's two responses to that. Is one is when you read the book we do demystify a lot of that stuff. So there's not there's nothing to really be that afraid of, right? Yeah. You just have to as long as you stay in your lane and follow certain principles, which we go into in depth and hear about. These are the principles that you want to follow. Don't go outside your lane. If you do this, then you're going to be safe. You're, you know, you're going to get attacked a little bit, but it's stuff that you can manage, and it's probably stuff you're already dealing with as a priest anyway, um, just by hearing confessions, right? So. But this is um, – and then also it gives them you know, how what they can do to get their people some help because a lot of times priests don't know. But it demystifies it and it takes away the fear factor um, because a lot of the fear is like I don't really know what's going on. I don't want to get involved and et cetera. Whereas once they understand the complexure – because the spiritual warfare has a very distinctive structure and there's a, a very distinctive landscape to it. It's not – um, this thing that's just completely mystification. It's actually, it works, it's without a very distinctive set of principles that work, it works off very consistently. So once you understand those, then you kinda kind of know what you can do and then priest can kind of meter how much they get involved with it based upon their pastoral load. So, and it takes away that fear factor, which is, important because a lot of times when we ask priests to pray with people because they've reached the third stage of the protocol, we just tell the priest, look, we don't want you to do a diagnostic. We're not here to, you don't have to spend a lot of time. We don't even want you to listen to the person. All you got to do is say these prayers and do this. And then that's what you'll do. And um, they're like, Oh, I can do that. You know? So it's one of those things that it, it, once they understand it, then it takes away that fear element basically of, you know, I'm going to get attacked or it's going to cost me a lot of time, et cetera.
0: Very good. So just again, Underneath in the show notes, the address, the email address to get the book for the priests, the address, the email, the URL for mm. the dominion, the, for the layman. Uh, I'll throw in Libra Christo, too. I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to ask you. Yeah. Who is we? What's the we part of the uh, we give you yeah. the, uh, the prayers thing? I, I knew it was Libra, but I <laughs> figured you'd say it. Um, what else? should? What else? Final thoughts wise should we think of for the uh, priest book?
1: Um. I think that um, my hope is is that this will actually help to get the direction that the church is taking in relationship to this apostolate within the church, get it on a more solid foundation, both in the sense of the tradition, but just theologically. And I think that this would help um, a lot of the priests, a lot of the priests, too, when they sit in our classes they're getting a lot more information than they would have gotten when they're in the seminary. So I think that this would be helpful in that regard. Um, I think it will also help them to understand their parishioners a bit because you'll realize, okay, this is what happens when the are involved or this is just a psychological issue. Um, as you mentioned, uh, it'll be very helpful in confessional, very helpful in um, giving people basic advice, especially too, to, today too, because a lot of people are becoming more aware of diabolic influence. And so this will help the priest to de-escalate people's getting paranoid about those things, et cetera. So I think it would be helpful for most, for, for the priests. It's a bit of a slog, as I mentioned, because it's 828 pages, but um, I think it's definitely worth a priest's time.
0: Amen. So yeah, it'd be an act of charity for a layman to buy this for a priest. Again, just contact Father, and they'll take care of that for you. And uh, yeah, no, Father, appreciate you coming on and doing this for both the layman and the clerics in general, but... I guess you can get it to a bishop, and maybe if the bishop loves it, he'll buy it for the whole diocese.
1: Well, the one thing I think I would like the bishops to understand the most, which unfortunately I don't go into, but I'm actually con- contemplating writing a short work on this, is the author- the spiritual authority of a bishop. I-, I-, I think most bishops don't have a clue how powerful they are, not just in relationship to the demons, but on the order of grace and how they can, how, what they can determine what grace is come into their diocese and which ones do not and so uh but it'd be nice if the bishops would just read this particular thing i um, mean it would also be good really good for bishops to read this book too if for no other reason than to give them a sense of how this stuff works so that if they do have an exorcist they have an understanding of what the exorcist is dealing with and what to expect
0: amen well, i appreciate it, father again and uh before you go can we get the final blessing
1: yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. Here we go. Benedictio de Omnipotentis Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti descendit et Super Vos et Manet Semper. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Mm-hmm.